You are listening to a special edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. Yeah, all right, we might as well start off with a cheers. Are we recording? Sure, we can. We're live? Whatever, we're live, we can edit it, we can do whatever the hell we want, but I am here with the man, as I say in the interview from the past, the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Boyce. The Rock's here? <laughs> uh, my name is Dave Boyce, and uh, yeah, welcome to my place. Yeah, pretty rad place, I might add. A uh, podcast set up in his garage. Pretty cool little setup you got here. Thanks. It's a work in progress. Uh, it'll get better with time. Hopefully, um, you know, everything's always a work in progress. Isn't that the way life goes? Exactly. Now, the last time I spoke with you, you know... It was one of those things where I was like, oh, why am I having this guy on the show? We explained you went down to Vegas to compete at Ellis Mania in a thing called the Master Blaster. Now, take us back in time to Saturday night. Um, explain what happened in Las Vegas. Um, Ellis Mania took, part, took place uh, October 10th, so just uh, last Saturday. So it's not that far removed. Um, I was in the Master Blaster fight, but... It doesn't, I don't think that's the proper name. Um, it should be called like the side-by-side -side fight or the, if you're a French, the side-by-each fight. Um, in essence, um, our wrists are taped together at the boxing glove. So we have one hand that we're sharing as a weapon um, and then we're taped together at our ankle. And then we square off against another team, which was uh, made up of Kit Cope, uh, four-time Muay Thai cha world champion, not just North American champion, not just Nevada state champion, world champion, Muay Thai kickboxing champion, uh, and Mike Catherwood. Mike Catherwood is the host of Loveline on K-Rock in California. He shares that show with Dr. Drew. Um, a very, very good-looking man with a uh, very beautiful wife. Now you were you when we did the interview and we were back at the RDS uh, headquarters. You you went on the Jason Ellis show and you were talking and you said one of the things you were nervous about most was maybe falling down and Jason having to drag you around and whatnot. Uh, what was the case? How how did everything play out uh, during the match itself? Well, there was a game plan that I had come up with with uh, Ryan Diaz. We had our game plan. There was the game plan in which uh, Jason and I had devised the night before, and then there was little bits of technique in which that I had learned from Ryan, um, block and punch, and then a few people in Nevada, in, in Vegas, taught me how to parry, so to knock the punch, knock the jab, and then come over top. So there was a whole bunch of different game plans that went in, but in essence, once you're actually in there and you're doing it, Everything goes out the window, as they say. Yeah. Like every, it's there's a good game plan, but as soon as you get hit, game plans out the window. Yeah. So, I, the one that Jason and I came up with was kind of funny. It was to utilize our our lefts together at the same time, and it was based on me putting my right foot forward, and that gave us the the like the go, and then we'd he'd turn and we'd give a double punch. That one was really difficult to do because as we're getting punched, it's really hard for either one of us to look down and notice whether one of us had made one of yeah. these steps. <laughs> we did get it off once, but it was only because Jason was literally screaming at me during the fight. Like, do the trick! Do the trick! Um, 
And we kind of got it off once, but it was really, <laughs> then it just went out the window. Did you find that you were, uh, you were hitting the guy directly in front of you more, or was it like across to the guy that was in front of Jason? Well, the guy that I was squared off against was Mike Catherwood, okay, and, yeah. and Jason was squared off against Kit Cope. So I, myself and, and Mike, we only hit each other, yeah. but I did get hit by Kit, and Mike did get hit by Jason. So they had, you know, they were a little more uh, versed at striking. So they were, they had more time and, uh, you know, the, the awareness, whereas I think Mike and I were just kind of really just concentrating on each other. At the end of the day, how was this thing all scored? I mean, was there just Oh, I won. With, you won. I won. Nice that's, job. That's the way, that's the way I look at it you, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I knocked Mike out on his feet. Wow. Which was kind of what the game plan that uh, Ryan yeah. Diaz had come up with me, uh, came, came up with me. And it consisted of um, blocking, but then turning into the block so that you took a bit of his power away. But then because you've turned into it, you have a bit to come back with. Yeah. Um, we had figured out that you lose your hip movement, so you, you lose a lot of your power. So he had come up with, if you turn and come into the punch, you're at least off-centered a bit so you can come back. So I utilized that. Uh, so it was like block, hook, block, hook, because it just became a slugfest. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so the guy who has the harder punch is going to win. I mean, for anyone that's seen Ellis Mania, I mean, in the past, they basically are slugfests. It's, it's basically just a, a brawl in the ring. Well, the, usually it's like uh, one skilled combatant yeah. versus two or three non-skilled fighters. So yeah, it's it usually weighs in favor of the person who's either stronger or uh, more versed at striking. Um, unlike MMA, there is no takedowns. There are no kicking, although um, there was some kicking in this one, and it was viciously evil and mean. Um, that took place in the piñata fight. Yeah. So the piñata fight was three actual fighters. So... Uh, Eddie Jackson, who is Jason's striking coach. Okay. Um, Kit Cope, yeah. once again, Kit Cope was in a few of the fights. Um, being that he has good cardio yeah. and, and a skilled fighter, all of this is more a joke to him, whereas there's a few people like myself that took it rather serious. Yeah. And then um, Mike Jasper. Um, and Mike Jasper even had an MMA fight the night before in oh, Vegas. Geez. So, I mean... You know, these are all really, these are, these are real fighters, mean mamma jammas, yeah. you know? Um, and in the Master Blaster fight, I'm not sorry, in the Pinata fight, they threw some kicks, some leg kicks, where it really showed, because um, when you're watching an MMA fight or a kickboxing fight, you see somebody get kicked, it almost looks like nothing. Yeah. Because the person they're kicking has been kicked thousands and thousands of time, times. They know how to block it or their legs are used to it. So it almost doesn't phase them. Whereas if you get kicked by one of these guys, shin bone onto your thigh or shin bone onto your, your lower leg, holy fuck, it sounds like they're <laughs> breaking a tree. I bet, I bet. Now you're speaking of these different MMA fighters and... and kickboxing fighters that were there you spoke earlier about the fact that you had um these guys tell you to parry a punch and and whatnot w were you training prior to this in vegas when you got there on wednesday or, or did you pick this up like backstage during ellis mania well i think on the very first night ellis and i were talking and he's like do you know how to parry a punch and i was like huh 
Like I had never even heard the term. So uh, that was on Thursday night. So the fight's on Saturday. Yeah. So that's something I worked on from Thursday right up until I walked in the ring. Um, have the glove up it, up to your hand. You're using your glove as if it's a binocular. And when you see that punch coming, just quickly, bam, bam. Yeah. And it did work. I, I smoked him a few times with, with the parry. Um, but then if you just keep doing that one thing, you know, you go uh, one trick pony. So he smoked Mike Catherwood, punched me so hard in the ribs. And it was kind of one of those things. It's like, it's, it's fun until, and that's kind of what it was in my head. Like, okay, this is all fun and games yeah. until you get hit with a really good punch. Exactly. And then you're like, wow, if he had hit me that hard to the jaw, there's a really good chance. I just go tweet, 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 tweet and fall to the canvas. So then it was kind of on. So that must have surprised you. Was there anything else within the within the match that surprised you? Yeah, about the way actually, you know, set up? well, not necessarily how it was set up. Is I trained really hard with Ryan Diaz, uh, punching with one arm. So yeah. I had been taped to a bag. I had been taped to another human. I had been taped to the side of the ring. I I did everything to get my right arm so that I could just continue to punch and punch and punch. So the first round was three minutes. Um, and we're standing in the middle of the ring and like we didn't we didn't separate. So like normally in a real fight, ding ding ding, everybody goes to their mutual corner, you have yeah. a sip of water. They like Kit Cope was the first one to like hands on like one hand, because he only had one hand, onto his knees, like, holy shit, this is tiring. <laughs> and I was not tired at all. That's awesome. I was just I was looking around going, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. And they're like, is that it? Is it over? And I was like, no way. I'm like, one more round. So they decided like, okay, one more one minute round. Yeah. You know, and it was kind of funny because they had other fights too. So they were also trying to like save themselves. So I think Kit was like, oh, we got other fights, man. We got to save ourselves. <laughs> and I don't think Mike uh, Catherwood was nearly as tired as say these guys because yeah. once again, they're far more skilled fighters. So they're probably throwing more punches than Mike and I. Yeah. And probably blocking less, you know, maybe slipping punches, moving yeah. more, where I was rather stationary and I'd block, you know, I put my hand down, I put it up and then I counter. Um, so that we, like I said, it was like, they, they had agreed like one more one minute round. So in that time I was like, oh, I can throw solid for one minute. So I did not stop punching for a minute. And then when I heard 15 seconds, I went even harder. Oh shit. So, so the thing that surprised you was that you didn't gas. I didn't gas at all. Like it was, it was a real, like I was excited. I yeah. had this adrenaline. I, I trained to go, Ryan trained me five rounds six days a week, yeah. punching with one arm. I mean, the first two days of training, I literally puked. Yeah. Um, it was that hard on my body. So I, I really got, you know, I got my cardio up. Um, I was, you know, I can't thank Ryan enough for the, the shape he got me in to do that. I had never, outside of going into the ring last year at Ellis Mania, I had no boxing experience. Yeah. And if anybody, you can find the fight online. I still don't have boxing, boxing experience from that. But Ryan did teach me how to throw a good hook, um, some uppercuts and some jabs. So I'm slow. Well, that would be the only thing I can say. I'm really <laughs> slow. But when the person is stuck in front of you and they can't move, slow doesn't matter. They just have to take yeah. it. Yeah. Did, did that inspire you to want to get in there and, and fight with two hands up? Um, yeah, no, but then, you know, you open yourself up to way more. A lot of footwork comes into play, um, different type of cardio. You know, I had the cardio 
arm punch. Yes. And that's in essence what it was. I wasn't putting all of my hip movement in it. I wasn't uh, turning on my foot. I wasn't doing I wasn't doing all of the traditional um, aspects of throwing a proper punch. What was the movement like? I mean, with two guys tied together. We I, stood there. You stood there. We just stood there. Just, just throw. Like rock'em, sock'em robots. Yeah, rock'em, sock'em hockey. The whole, like, just straight up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there, Did, yeah, there was technique involved, um, but not the type of technique that uh, a real boxer would use. Yeah, for sure. What what were the nerves like coming into this? I know... Oh, it's scared shitless. Yeah. But not necessarily scared shitless of getting injured or getting knocked out. I was scared because of uh, my peers down there. Like, these guys are real fighters and they're my friends. So I want... And even last year... I want to do well for them. Like, I've been asked to take part in this event. I don't want to look like a jackass in front of them. And that's kind of like the same type of nerves I would get in any type of uh, skateboard contest. I didn't care if I won or lost. I just wanted... Well, I actually cared. (laughs) I mean, but bottom line, in front of my peers, if I did my best and that's all I could do and I still didn't win, at least I know I, I put in all the effort I could. And that was the same thing here. Like... After the fight was over, like myself and Kit um, became the commentators. Okay. So we started commentating everything, and he looked over me, he covers his mic, and he's like, See, that wasn't nearly as bad as you thought, right? Yeah. And I'm like, And then I explained that to him, I'm like, Hey, it's not that I thought I was going to get hurt or this. It's like, I want to fight well in front of you. Yeah. And he's like, Ah, oh, okay, I get it, you know. And fighters-wise, I mean, I saw on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, there were a slew of actual fighters there. I saw Anthony Pettis was there. Uh, Uriah Faber's always at these things. Uh, Keith Jardine was in the ring himself. H- how cool was it to fight while these guys were in the presence? It was it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think probably Anthony Pettis being the coolest one because I'd met all the other guys before. Yeah. So um, and Jason didn't even know oh, that no. Anthony Pettis was going to be there. It's one of those things. If you're in Vegas, like these fighters are from time to time, whether they're training at the UFC gym, going through a contract, or getting ready for a fight. Yeah. Um, why wouldn't they go check it out? Hey, this thing's going on. There's all these other uh, low-level uh, MMA guys or kickboxers or boxers that are that are going. So you're going to hear about it, friends from friends. So every year there's always somebody that shows up. And I know on the Friday night he he put on a concert for everyone. Be real, Cypress Hill. That that's crazy. That I mean, people must have been a little shocked. Uh, Jason himself is a, a very unique individual. He puts a lot of pressure on himself. He puts. And I would say at this event, he probably did more than he should have. Okay. Um, as a friend, I was worried for him. Really? Yeah. And when he was in his, his the last fight that yeah. he was in, I was really worried. I was not worried when he was in the fight with myself. Yeah. Um, he, him and Kit Copa sparred many times. They're going to punch each other. They're gonna, black eye, bloody nose, hug at the end. Let's have a beer. Yeah. Um, so he woke up at, on the fight day. So this is on the Saturday. Jason Ellis wakes up. Gets in a plane, a prop plane, um, and flies to California. He is also involved in race car driving, but it's like these little doom buggy things. So he flew to California in a prop plane, probably a three to four hour flight to get there. Um, Races all day. Which is really hard on you. You know, um, I know that Ken Block, who's a professional race car driver at this point, has Kit Cope come around with him everywhere to train him so he's in shape so that he, his body works at the maximum ability so that he can, you know, be focused and strong as he's racing. So I already know from 
from those conversations that it takes a lot out of you to race a car. I mean, you're holding on tight to the wheel, you're jumping over things, all your body and muscles are being used as you're racing a car. Now, obviously not as stressful on the body as being in a boxing match or an MMA match or probably not even as skateboarding, not, not as much, but still. And then you're back in a plane, flying back to Vegas. He gets to Vegas at 7.30. We're, we're already there. Yeah. Like, I'm upstairs hitting pads, yeah. and he just yeah. gets back. This is Saturday night. This is Saturday night. So he just gets back, and he's <laughs> yelling at me, like, where are you? Get in here. Like, <laughs> and uh, So he puts his body through that. Yeah. And then there's a few events that take two, a few of the fights. There's um, the dog collar fight. So he's in there, and he's sitting in the ring, and he has his gloves on, and, um, you know, he bops these guys a few times. He gets sweaty. He takes part in the what should have been called the Master Blaster fight, but they called it the Tall Man fight. And the Tall Man fight is there's a a tire in the middle of the ring, um, and one foot is in the tire, one foot is out, and we have tall guys. It was supposed to be Forrest Griffin and Keith Jardine. Okay. Forrest was a no-show. Something something happened. Yeah. He didn't make it. So it was somebody else. So you know how boxers train with the tire in so they can't, they can only slip punches. Yeah. They can have to stay in that little pocket. So that was kind of the thing here. So you have two tall guys and two little guys on the shoulders of them, oh, and they're punching away. So Jason took part in this for a little bit. I think he was he, he had to be one of the tall guys because Forrest didn't show up. Yeah. So he's pushing his body there. Then there's um, there was another one that he took place in, and but like I said, in those ones he's just taking part. He's yeah. not fighting, yeah. but he's getting sweaty. He's using his he's using energy that he should be conserving. Um, then there's our fight, and he did get hit a lot by Kit in that fight, and he he exerted himself in that fight. Not to mention all of the other fights he was in. Then he goes on and has the quote-unquote Digstown fight. Um, if anybody's listening to this, Digstown is a movie with Lou Gossett Jr. where they go into a small town and it's kind of like a con. Yeah. You have a professional boxer that you know can just whoop all the tough guys in the town, but it's one minute, one minute rest, next guy, next guy, next guy. He also did it as the main event last year. So he just throws this in there. The original main event was supposed to be Tyler Posey versus Tully. Tully is his co-host on the show. Okay. Um, Oxford graduate, really smart individual, adds a lot of uh, intellectual humor to the Jason Ellis show. Great guy. Um, but Tyler Posey had to pull out because MTV was not having it. Tyler Posey is the star of Teen Wolf on MTV. Yeah. Um, I know. No one else knew there was a no. fucking Teen Wolf TV show. Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> fuck. But anyways, he's the star of that. Young guy. So that pulled out. So Jason had to come up with another main event. So what he did was, okay, it's LS Mania 11. I'll fight 11 fans. Whereas last year was like for, uh, the murderer's row last year. It yeah. was Forrest Griffin, Araya Favor, um, his boxing coach, Eddie Jackson, um, Keith Jardine. You know, and the Uriah Favor fight you can watch online. It's yeah. a slugfest. Oh, he yeah. just gets lit up by that fight. That dude's Mighty Mouse. And he's in his, in his, in his jeans. Yeah, he's in his, <laughs> he, he got pissed off because his hat got knocked off. He went into the fight with his hat backwards. Um, even funnier, I heard a, a little anecdote at dinner about him and Araya prior to that. Um, you would think they are buddies, yeah. but in essence, they're not really. They, he kind of thought they might be cool, but maybe not because oh. <laughs> Jason is a really forward, um, type of individual. If he doesn't like you, he tells you he doesn't yeah. like you. And he was friends with Dominic Cruz when they were, when Uriah and Dominic were having okay. their deal. Yeah. So he had taken Dominic's side. But you know, you kind of hard to hate Uriah. Yeah. Uriah, you know, he's yeah. a good guy. So it, they they crushed they crushed their little beef, yeah. and 
but going into that, Jason wasn't sure if, you know, Uriah was still... So, anyways, beef beef crushed, and obviously, once you fight somebody, you have that, for the most part, anyway, you have that camaraderie afterwards. You yeah. know, you people punch each other in the face, you feel good about it. Um, but this year, it was just fans. But once again, it was kind of one of these, like... If that was Murder's Row, this is like Murder's Row of inmate rejects. Yeah. You know, it's like he didn't choose a, a small guy. Like, they were all bigger than me. How did they get picked? The, the, well, they did a live radio show at the pool the day before. Okay. So it was a lot of guys that just stepped up and they just signed him down. So I don't think there was a guy under 210. Holy shit. So and Jason Ellis is. Jason's about, I think he got down to 203, 206 okay. for this, but he started about 220. Yeah. Uh, Dolce wrote him a, a diet, so oh, he nice. stayed in the diet plan um, and, and vigorous, heavy training. But he also got sick during it and had to be on antibiotics. But, you know, he did what he needed to do and got in really good shape. And he looked good. Probably the best shape I've ever seen Ellis in. Uh, the photos from last year you can find online is his guts kind of hanging over his boxing shorts. Whereas this time he had the. Um, the the underlining of a six pack coming yeah, in. Yeah. So if he continues to train the way he was training before, by next year he'll be jacked. He'll be ripped. But anyway, so Do you he think he will. No, you, it's hard. Yeah. You fall off. Um, diet would probably be the hardest yeah, one for yeah. him. Uh, I'm not a food person, so diet holding a good diet is really easy for me. Whereas I think he likes cheese. He likes pizza. Yeah. He likes fried food. He likes French fries, and that would be. Uh, especially after what I saw him eat the the day after. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we went to Culinary Dropout, which is a restaurant inside uh, the Hard Rock, and I think everything that was ordered was deep fried and maybe wrapped in bacon. Fair you know, enough. Fair I enough. Guess, I mean. So the, all of these guys were monsters. So the first guy he goes against in the Digstown fight was probably 250, so maybe 6'1", and cl- clipped him right down, hands behind his back, face on the ground he was he was out for a second yeah uh if it was an mma fight it would have been over because the other guy would have jumped on top of him but because it's a boxing match uh the ref gave him the standing eight and it was funny i saw when he kind of came back and he looked up at joel mills as the referee and he kind of laughs like fuck (laughs) like (laughs) i got clipped and this is the first guy this is the very first guy so then he goes in he, he he finishes that round i think he goes with the next guy um and the one thing that, it was almost like they all came up with a game plan to hit him in the gut. So his body got punched yeah. a lot. Um, he actually pissed blood later oh, really? after the fight that night. Um, he's fine now. Yeah. You know, everything's fine. But yeah, he really took a beating. Um, like I said, the, the car race was a bad idea. The <laughs> being involved in all the other fights was a bad idea. No, I'm his friend. So I say yeah. bad idea. He says, I could have done it if... You know, of course. Yeah. Anyways, so the, he has variables in his head. You know, he looks at he looks. You might look at life this way. He looks at life this way. Yeah. Oh, I got clipped. If that hadn't got clipped, it would have been fine. Of course. And and that you know that's that mentality. That's what has got him to where he's at. So I'm watching this, and I cover my mic, and I look over at Kit after the first thing, and I'm like, I don't like this. This is a bad idea from a friend's point of view. Yeah. He's like a big brother to me. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to watch any of my friends get hurt, and I can see the pain on his face. So, um, myself and Kit Cope are commentating at this point. So we start to kill time. So we next guy gets in the ring. I'm like, Hey, where are you, where are you from? Get over here. Like, what's your name? And he tells his name, and I'm like, Blah blah blah. And I and I try to kill time, yeah, and I talk yeah. to him, and Kit and I try to kill time and talk and stuff. And then we look over and like, Jason's not coming out. So then um, 
who is it? Uh, I think the first guy is maybe his, his boxing coach. He's like, okay, we'll sub in for this one. Yeah. So then um, his boxing coach, Eddie Jackson, takes a round, pummels on a dude. I think Jardine takes a guy, pummels on the dude. And then Joel Mills, who's the referee, is an ex-professional boxer. He takes off his shirt, and he hasn't boxed in a few years now. Like, he trains. He has his own gym in uh, Alberta, and the name of the town, it's just outside of um, Lethbridge. Uh, It starts with a T. I want to say Tisdale, but it's not. Anyways, regardless, holy fuck. Joel Mills is poetry in motion. Really? I've never seen anybody... When you see a, a very, very skilled fighter... Like, the other guys were good fighters, but they were more brawlers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you hit me, I'm going to hit you harder. Yeah. Uh, lots of technique. But this was different. This was... When you see two skilled boxers fight each other, it's kind of... It's, it's good, but they're both skilled. So they null each other out. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first time ever in my life I have watched... Uh, an artist in there against a fucking dweeb. Oh, geez, yeah. So he would be standing there, the guy would throw a punch, and he would slip to the side, just turn his body, and then boom, uppercut, and then come back. It was magical. It like and the he just the shit eating grin oh, on his face. <laughs> and the one thing I did notice about him in comparison to any other fighter I've ever seen, because they're um and I think all boxers are probably like this, but I just noticed it on this occasion. Their eyes are, get bigger. Yeah. So what I noticed from him is like when a boxer is fighting, and some other boxer might laugh as I say all of this. Um, if you and I, I don't know how skilled you are as a striker, but you and I would probably be looking at the other guy in the face. Yeah. Whereas he was looking, and you could tell he was looking at the full picture. Uh, you know, he noticed that shoulder move, or that shoulder move, or your head move, or your foot move, yeah. all at the exact same time. So you had no hope. It was, it was like Keanu Reeves' Matrix. You just weren't going to hit him, and he is going to hit you at will. That, that's got to be cool to see. And I mean, to be that guy that's able to do something like that... Is, that's crazy. He, I, obviously, he didn't expect to get in there and start slugging with guys. This was just on a whim. Yeah. But when you have that talent and yeah. that ability, like I said, he hadn't boxed in a while. I'm sure he spars now and then. Yeah. Um, he gave up on his uh, boxing gym. He, I guess he keeps shattering his hand. Okay. So eventually your your bones become a little dusty. Yeah. And each time you fight, you're going to break. And, and, and are you going to continue to do that? No. No, you know, yeah, if, for sure. If every time you got in a skateboard, you, you knocked yourself out or gave yourself a concussion, I, I would stop skateboarding. Yeah. So, yeah. he uh, That was probably my highlight. Outside of me giving Mike Cathwood a black eye and <laughs> uh, knocking him out on his feet. And he, he Mike actually even tweeted, like, hey, just so you know, Dave knocked me out of my feet. It was, I, I was honored. It was I great. Bet, yeah. I would I would have fucking buried yeah. that shit. I wouldn't have even said anything. I just would have <laughs> left it alone. Yep, good fight. Out of here. <laughs> I'm sure the fans at, at this event are, are much different than your standard boxing or MMA event. Uh, what, what's the atmosphere like in Drunk retards. Yeah. From time to time. Um, like when I started commentating, just get dudes annoying me. Yeah. Like that drunk. And then their friends going, hit him. He deserves it. I'm like, I'm not hitting anybody. But yeah, there was some, there was amazing fans and there's some drunk fans. Now that's just at the event itself. Pardon me a little bit of burp there. We're, we're drinking a beer as we're recording this. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back off training, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was the one thing too, is I didn't drink until right after my fight. And then I just started having, How do you feel? 
Um, you know what? I didn't. I don't miss any of these things when I no. don't do them. Uh, I got drunk a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, it didn't taste as good as you had hoped. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the smell of bread. Of course. Yeah. And then you eat bread. The smell tastes better. So the thought of drinking the beer was actually better than the beer. Um. But at the event itself, I I can't thank everybody that I met enough. They're salt-of-the-earth type individuals. They're the backbone of Canada or America for the most part. These are the, the truck drivers, the miners, the oil rig guy. These are like the true people that make yeah. both countries work. I can't, like the people I met, amazing. Uh, that's probably the highlight for me. That's what uh, I was going to ask. Would that be the biggest takeaway the, then? Yeah, man. And that's like, they're all so damn amazing. They're so nice and they're so genuine and they're happy to meet you. You know what I mean? Um, they have somewhat put a lot of us um, that are connected through Alice onto a, a bit of a pedestal um, that isn't deserved. You know what I mean? I'm no different than any of them, but they are just so excited to meet myself or my brother yeah. or Moses or Jason or Kit Cope or Mike Jasper or Eddie Jackson. Any of these guys that Jason refers to on his show have somewhat come become quasi-famous to them. Yeah. And whether it's uh, justified or not... Um, they feel that way and to meet them they're just so amazing and they're so gracious and you know like to shake your hand or like a lot of them know that i have my show coming out on sirius xm sundays at five uh, pacific eight eastern the voice boy show good plug thank you um you know so they're, they're congratulating me i got congratulated up until i got i boarded my plane to come home from just yeah. somebody coming up they're just amazing individuals um, that's so cool. It's it, it that, and that's got to be a good feeling. Is is being recognized for something that you don't necessarily expect to be recognized for. Yeah, and it, they've, it's it's always been that way with them. Like the first few years I went there. Yeah. Um, whether it was because I was Rob's brother. My yeah. brother is a well-known uh, Canadian legend in the skateboard world. His name's Rob Sluggo Boyce. Um, uh, turned pro in the in the early 90s and through the heyday of skateboarding in the mid 90s when the X Games came in. He has an X Games gold medal. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he really made a mark for himself in the skateboard world. And he also is a professional snowboarder. So I've always been the little brother to this person. Um, and now that I've gained a little bit of notoriety, whether it's what I've done for Red Dragon, RDS, or what I've done on the Jason Ellis show, or what is about to happen with my own show on Sirius, um, they're just so genuinely happy to meet you and it's it's great it's a good feeling no kidding yeah, yeah. it's it's like a little pat on the back it is it's a, uh, egocentric yeah, like, and, and for narcissistic sure. for sure but um but not many love that yeah right who does like it's christmas yeah it's better than christmas you know like these everybody that comes up to you is almost like a little gift exactly a, but uh, I'm, in my head though i have a tough time with it it's a gift i don't feel i deserve yeah but i'm still receiving it so Fair enough yeah so looking back on the whole experience, not just in Vegas, but training and everything with Ryan Diaz, uh, just tell me about your feeling internally, how it all played out. Um, pretty much exactly what I thought. Um, everything, I meant. Uh, I have a background in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for seven years. So the combat aspect, I'd already the fear of that had already been taken out of me. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it transpires when you're sparring on a regular basis in boxing, but um, jiu-jitsu is the most humbling sport you could ever do because you are going to lose. I don't care who you are. You're going to lose almost every day you roll. 
to somebody, yep. you know, um, even if you don't get subbed, they might have dominated you, you know, and just but you've been underneath them the whole time or you were defending the whole time or or your cardio just wasn't there that day and you were a sack of shit. So that had already been taken out of me. Yeah. So losing wasn't. I wanted to do well, so losing wasn't part of the equation as far as bothering me. Um, but everything went pretty much how Ryan said it would, you know, like, so it went well. Um, the whole event was good. I got, I had the opportunity to take part in three of Jason's shows uh, as soon as we got there. And it was kind of how I had mapped that out. I yeah. wanted to take part. The, the more time I get on the radio, uh, the better I'm going to be at my show. So... As soon as I got in, went right to the New York, New York. Um, we did a live show from Cirque du Soleil Zumanity. So that was really fun. Um, it's always good to be with what, quote unquote, I would consider professionals. They're only going to elevate your game. Definitely, Listening and yeah. seeing and watching the way they do their show. Um, and then the next day was a live show from the pool. Bit of a shit show. I mean, there's a lot of people coming and going. Um, and then commentating during the fight. You know, all of these things are going to help. So that was kind of mine, my thought, what I wanted to achieve there. And the fight was almost secondary because um, I kind of thought the fight would go the way the fight went. Yeah. Uh, we're going to stand there. Not, not necessarily that I'd knock him out or give him a black eye, but we're going to stand right across from each other and punch each other in the face. And there's no getting away from that. So that, that went exactly the way I thought. Um, although... Don't get me wrong. I was like a fucking little schoolboy afterwards. <laughs> I was just always on cloud nine. One, I didn't gas. That was probably one of my bigger fears. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, not to re- not get hurt, and then to be able to perform well for my peers. So everything everything went literally well, yeah, the see, way I thought it would. You now there's yeah, there's not nothing a scratch on your face. No, I definitely landed more than I took. Yeah. Um, and with Ryan's help, I learned how to block a punch well. And uh, with Joel Mills, he taught me how to parry the punch. And literally, right up until we went into the ring, I was still working on that move with Eddie Jackson. So everybody was really kind to me and really nice. Uh, they calmed my nerves. I don't think they understood why I was so nervous. Yeah. But it was, like I said, it was just so I performed well in front of them. Have you been back to see Ryan Diaz yet? No, I just got back last night. Okay. So, no, I got back um, Sunday night. So yesterday was Thanksgiving here here in Vancouver. I don't know how many American or Canadian fans. It was Columbus Day there, but it's a holiday here for Turkey and giving thanks. Which you guys celebrate in November if you're... If, if you're an American, it's November 26th this year, I believe yeah. it will be. So you plan on... Are you going to continue training with... I'm going to continue to train with Ryan. Um, I want to get really good footwork. Okay. I mean, there's an, there's an art form into getting good footwork. Yeah. Um, slipping punches would be great um, instead of just blocking them. <laughs> which is my like where you'd started to work on dodging yeah. and slipping. I had three and a half weeks worth of training to get good at that craft boxing. It's going to take years. Oh yeah. So I like to put that time in. I have seven years experience of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and I'm still, you know, that as you know, seven years is nothing yeah, on the mats. No, exactly. Sure, I will mop the fucking mat with anybody that's never done it. Yeah, ex- yeah. But if you've been training. Okay, we have a battle. Yeah. It's a fight going on. Um, and that's the same thing with boxing. I could walk into Ryan's gym tomorrow, be high on my horse off of, I just knocked out this guy, <laughs> and then get lit up by a 135-pounder. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. So I would love to learn the rhythm of hitting pads. I can't say I'll necessarily get into sparring and wanting to spar. Yeah. Uh, Ryan and I had uh, toyed around with the idea of maybe me having um, an amateur MMA fight, but I think that's gone. 
Yeah. Um, I don't From know. You? Yeah, you know what? I don't know if I have the time it would take to train. Yeah. Um, to it, take, it, it takes to, more out of you than this would, right? Yeah, it does. So, um, and that's just who I am. Like, yeah. if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go 100. percent um, I have a podcast that I do once a week. That's on iTunes, This Boy's Life. I record that uh, with Renee Renee, Jason Bothe, as well as Cupcake Dujour. Um, she's a suicide girl. You can Google her if you want, and you can you can see her with JJ and stuff. <laughs> um, actually, she told us yesterday you can see her bumhole oh, in one video. Anyways, <laughs> so you can Google Google her and see her, and you can um, Google Renee Renee and see what type of character he is. He's a, a larger than life type character, quite yeah. flashy. Um, and then with the show, um, the voice boy show that's coming out on Sirius XM, our first episode airs on the 18th of October, which is this upcoming sun- Sunday. Yeah. Um, that's five Pacific eight Eastern on faction 41 on Sirius XM. If you're driving around in your car, I do believe it's going to be the only fresh content that will be on Sundays. Oh, nice. So we'll have no real competition yeah. and, it's it's pretty sweet that we're already the number one Canadian show on Faction. Really? Well, we're the only, only Canadian we're the show. only Canadian <laughs> show on Faction. Still sounds cool. Absolutely, it's bragging rights. Yeah. Um, and then I have RDS. You know, uh, I'm the chief creative officer for Red Dragon Apparel um, out of Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, and that is my real passion. That is my real job. That is my real life. Everything I do funnels back to that. Even the podcast and the radio show still funnel back to that that is who i am i i'm i am a red dragon which is um a unique crew of skateboarders you can i give a little bit of insight into that in the video that you yeah. and i made so if anybody wants that you can go to mmasucker.com and have a look at the video that you so graciously put together had uh, fun doing it yeah so that gives a little bit of background on that so i think my 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 book is full you yeah, know it, like definitely I, sounds like it I, mean. I have a lot going on so i don't know if i'd have everything necessary to train full bore for like eight weeks or six to eight weeks for an MMA fight. But getting in there and training is still something that... Yeah, for sure. I want to learn the rhythm of hitting those pads where he's not calling out the number. He's not calling out, okay, one, two, three, five, two, and I'm hitting them and trying to remember and ducking and, you know, doing all of that. I, you know, like one, one, two, you know, I, I would like to, he just puts the pad up. And you're there. And I'm there. You know what I mean? And you get to a point where he's just, you know, we're just fighting. Yeah. Like, and he has the pads. You know what I mean? I'm fighting with the pads. That's kind of my goal. I mean, my rhythm, like just working on uh, the footwork aspect is horrible, which was really fortunate for me that our fight, our fight was standing still. <laughs> um, it's funny. I'm an ex-break dancer. I can break dance well. Yeah. But I have no rhythm. You know, I got like the power moves, <laughs> uh, and I thought the footwork aspect You're the would guy come. That they send out there to win the battle. Yeah, uh, at the end, you know what yeah. I mean. Everybody else did all the cool stuff, and then I just go wah 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 wah, <laughs> and do some windmills up to a headspin. Um, but yeah, I have no rhythm, and I found that out training for this. Yeah. That the jumping in and out of like the ladder on the ground, whatever yeah. that thing's called. Utility yeah. Ladder, yeah. Yeah. No, I suck at that. Absolutely suck, and that was humbling. And it, it was kind of like my first day at jiu-jitsu. It was like, oh, shit. Okay, I'm a good wrestler, but fuck, I just got yeah. <laughs> guillotined a thousand times and armbarred 500 times. Yeah, so 
this fighting thing and and training and whatnot, bringing it back to RDS, did it give you a different passion to push the company in like not a different direction, but different kind of designs and whatnot? Um, no, because I saw what Reebok did, and they just made tr- uh, uh, what is it, Star Trek characters out of everybody? Yeah, you know, so. Uh, no, and I don't think there's much there, like, unless you're going to the big boys and getting into that dance and, yeah. and sponsoring UFC actual fighters, you're not going to get all the exposure that it would take to, um, utilize that properly. Uh, I know there are companies like Torque, Uriah's yeah. company, but I mean, World Series of Fighting, they're going to get some fighters in there. They're going to get some fighters in Bellator. And I'm not saying Bellator doesn't have a chance to be a really good number two. Yeah. That's all they're going to be. They'll, yeah, they'll never um, be number one. Unless Viacom literally starts throwing massive amounts of dollars at Bellator, which I don't think they are. It's on Spike. It's not like it's on one of their other channels. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what else they have outside of MTV. But anyways, I don't foresee that being knocking the UFC off of their pedestal. Uh, I do see they have an opportunity to get some really good fighters moving forward. I think as the UFC starts to control the fighters more and more. Um, I mean, the first time we heard about it was with the video games, and they yeah. got pissed off about that and let some let some of their good guys go. Like, I think it was uh, John Fitch. When John Fitch was, like, the number two yeah. welterweight, yeah. they fired him because he wouldn't sign a freaking contract cause yeah. for uh, EA, yeah, for the exactly. game coming out. So with the Reebok deal, their video game deal, um, Monster Energy... Unless you're falling underneath all of that banner and you're getting groomed, like a, a Paige Van Sant, Van Sant's, yeah, Van Sant, and then uh, the new Seth, Sage Northcutt, yeah, Sage North yeah. Northcutt, like yeah. those guys are going to get groomed. You know what I mean? Um, and that's what that's in. It's interesting that that that's the case because they've had all these veteran guys and and like. Brendan Schaub, for instance, he's got his podcast, the Fighter and the Kid podcast, which, I mean, it's a great podcast. Lots of people listen to it. Why not? Obviously, he says he's doing really well with it. But he's I don't ba- believe he's doing as well as he says. That's just my opinion. But Your opinion, yeah. But he has decided he hasn't used the word retire, but he's stepping away from the sport of mixed martial arts. And obviously, the Reebok deal and all that other stuff has played a part in this. So... It sucks for some of these fighters. It does. And that's what might be a benefit for Bellator and Viacom. If that younger fighter, that kid right now that's 15 years old, by the time he's 18, 19, and he is at the level to join either Bellator or the UFC, and there's more money at Bellator based on sponsorship dollar, as well as the deal you're going to get there, they might build up a really good roster. And that's the thing, I guess, that that fighters have to look at and they they have to put into their head is, do they want to go where the best of the best are or do they want the money? Yeah. And I, I, you know, you never hear anybody say something bad about Scott Coker. No, never. When, during the Strikeforce run, fuck it. Anyway, they ran the company into the ground, mind you, you know, that might've been the Fedor deal and all these other deals that they're paying out too much and not getting back what they necessarily thought they were going to get out of it. But nobody ever said anything bad about Scott. There's so much backlash towards Dana, but there's always backlash to the top dog. Of course, yeah. You know, like, I can't think of anybody else that, you know, that people are throwing hash at like they are Dana. Now, no. I, I'm, I'm personally, um, you know, you can only commend Dana and the, and the Fatitas for what they've done with the UFC. They bought it for nothing. 
like threw millions and millions of dollars at this thing and grew it to what it is today. But, you know, I do, I don't, the Reebok deal seems like a weird one to me. And I think that's the one that might waver a few fighters to not join the UFC because I can, I can get sponsored by Torque yeah. or Tapout or Affliction, you know, these and get a bigger paycheck from them than I can joining the UFC and getting the $2,000 a fight from Which is so Reebok. odd that, that they decided to go that route. I mean, they, Dana White has said that it's, you know, groundbreaking because they're all going to look the same. But it's groundbreaking for Dana. Exactly. Just like the Fox deal. That's groundbreaking for Dana. I find this Reebok deal to be so, you know, behind the times almost. Like, this should have happened. Their styling is absolutely oh, behind terrible. in the times. I would say 1990, 1989 yeah. Star Trek Next Generation yes. behind the times. And and even just getting everyone to look the same, I, I find that... This deal should have happened 10, 15 years ago to build the company's notoriety to be that company to look like, you know, the NFL, NBA, NHL, and whatnot. It, if they wanted to be so mainstream, it should have happened a long time ago. Well, at least those, you know, the NFL and the NHL and the NBA have come up with a viable selling product that the athletes wear. Yes. As you see, like, I can wear a basketball jersey. And it still looks fashionable and styly in that arena. You know what I mean? If I'm going to go play basketball or go for a run. Um, if I'm a hockey fan, I want to support my team. Yeah. And I have a Vancouver Canucks jersey on. Or if, you know, I'm a, a Lions fan and I have a Lions football jersey on. The clothes that they have made are horrendous. Yeah. You don't want and to wear them. as fuck. I don't, I don't even know how much they are. They started at $95. Oh, shit. And I think they've dropped to seventy, which is still and that's way US? too expensive. Yes. Yeah, that's so. That's one hundred and thirty <laughs> Canadian. Exactly. <laughs> Who wants to spend that on on a shirt that I yeah, mean, so, you don't look good in? Yeah, it's not nice looking product. And the first thing about making clothes in if they're they have to be fashionable. Yeah, they do. Um, they don't have the historical lineage that a basketball team has or a football team has you know like um a football jersey is a football jersey and you know if the guy's wearing it he's a, a sports fan he's he's a football fan you see a guy in the Reebok UFC gear you're like what the fuck is this who is this guy there's they haven't identified yet you know you can't identify with the clothes back to the UFC no, and you saw a lot of guys, like especially Conor McGregor gear, the dethroned stuff with the stick man. Lots of people were wearing that shit. You don't see anyone wearing this Reebok stuff. You know what's funny? First time I saw it at Ellis Mania, guy was wearing a Ronda Rousey uh, Reebok really? jersey. Yeah. And it was hideous. Yeah. Just hideous. Now, I like Ronda. I think Ronda's awesome. I think she's great for women. She is. She's empowering. Um and every and her movement, and that's the only way you could call it. Yep. Um, the way she has attracted outside, you know, we've had Randy that's done some stuff outside. We had uh, Gina that did a bit. the The wave that is pushing Rhonda is going to change women's uh, women's athletes, not just fighters. Yeah, I athletes. Agree, yeah. She is. Everything that is pushed behind her, the way she carries herself. What is that quote? Um, Do nothing, bitches. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the DNB. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Beyonce used that at the beginning of her concert. 
and actually used Rhonda's voice saying it. <laughs> that's huge. Yeah. And that's, it's huge for MMA, but it's huge for women. It's, in, it's the empowerment. Um, you now have young girls that are like, I want to grow up and be a fighter. Not, I want to... I want to like. Don't get me wrong. There's been other other things like I want. Like women weren't allowed to be doctors. Women yeah. weren't allowed to be lawyers. Women yeah. weren't allowed to do this. But the pipe dream. Okay, I'm gonna grow up and be an uh, a WNBA player. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. There's no fucking money there. Yeah. Ronda's actually making money. You never like. How many female boxers are well known? Muhammad Ali's daughter. That's it. And she was writing the name of I'm Muhammad Ali's daughter. Yeah. Ronda's just an oddity. And she is going to get young women um, following in her footsteps and change the way women's sports are looked at. And, and I do think she's the one that's going to change how a woman basketball player is going to look, a woman hockey player is going to look, not just a woman fighter. Yeah. Um, it's just she's on a totally different level. She is, and, and she got groomed that way as well, which is super cool because, I mean, women weren't even in the UFC at the time. No, and Dana literally said they'll never yeah. be there, and then he had to eat those words. Their biggest star is Ronda Rousey. Exactly, which is so cool. And uh, I wanted you to tell a story to the listeners here that you told me when we were hanging out last time, and it, it's probably one of the coolest stories that you could tell about a UFC experience that you had yourself um, you got to see George St. Pierre live in the Rogers Center or in Montreal. In Montreal. In the Bell Center. In the Bell Center, yep. Just tell the story. So, um, my brother and I are really good friends with uh, Pierre Luc Gagnon. Pierre Luc PLG, as he's known, is I think a 22 time X Games medalist. I think he has 12 gold medals. So, at some point, um, he has become friends with Dana White. Um, he knows that both Rob and I, and we sponsored PLG for quite a few years through Red Dragon, RDS Apparel. Um, somehow he, PLG met Dana and befriended Dana. I think he helped his kids skateboard. I think Dana's kids all are into skateboarding. Um, so he gave Dana a call like, hey, look, I have these two really good friends of mine. They live up in Canada. They're huge UFC fans. They want to go to watch George fight for the belt. Now, I guess what? What year is that? 2009? Yeah. I think it was 2009 when he won the belt back. Yeah. Because it was coming off of the loss to Matt Serra. Exactly. So this was yeah. the rematch to Matt Serra. I do believe George had won an interim belt fighting um, Matt Hughes in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. Knocked him out with the head kick and then the punch to the ground. Um, so my brother and I get to Montreal and we go to Wilco. We pick up our tickets. Um, and we don't think anything of it. We're like, we're going to be in the nosebleeds. This place is huge. You got free tickets. We got free like, tickets. Okay. I don't give a shit. Yeah. So we walk in. We're at the top. If you've ever been to any of these bigger arenas, when you walk in at one level and then just looks looks down, especially when it's full and dark, it's just a sea of people. It's like uh, the Roman Colosseum. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just <laughs> massive. And people are have that foot, the European football chant or yeah. soccer chant yeah. for the North Americans. Uh, whatever it is, yeah. you know, and they're just, um, we're looking around and, um, you know, we get our beer. We haven't even opened the envelope with our tickets. We get our beers and we walk in and I open it up and I'm like, huh, huh. I'm looking at the floor. I'm like, oh, it's gotta be wrong. I'm like, row one. <laughs> so I'm like, huh. Oh, what section? Huh. Floor. Ah, oh, it's gotta be a mistake here. And we start walking down and, you know, you look at the seats, you're trying to get your thing. It's like, you're at like 240 yeah. when you start. You're like 240. You're like, okay, 
Well, well, this will only be at the bottom of these stairs, obviously. That's a, that's a different scenario making its way onto the floor. Then we get down, it's like, huh. We just keep walking and keep walking and keep walking until we're at the front row, right where the fighters enter. Now, this thing is all taped off. Um, and they're like, where are you going? I'm like, look at the, the, show them the ticket. They're like, oh, you're right there in this little taped off section. So there's one whole row taped off. My brother and I are the only people in this seat. We are three seats in. So it's row one. I'm in seat four. My brother's in seat five. Yeah. Our hands are literally chin on the railing <laughs> and... You're, we're we're not we're this far away yeah. from where like Michael Bisbing's about to fight. You know what I mean? Like all of the guys. Um, I can't remember everybody else was on the card, but um, then we're like, well, I wonder who else is going to sit here. Don't think much of it. And then Sherry Spencer walks down. Sherry Spencer at this point in time, if anybody doesn't know, was George St. Pierre's manager. Yeah. And then the witch doctor shows up, who was George St. Pierre's. Um, therapist you know george has a mental problem not mental problem. i say that wrong has uh he works with somebody to overturn mental training training. so he you know to to optimize his brain the same way he optimizes his body yeah um and then this old guy walks down with no teeth kind of like broken doesn't really speak english and i'm like oh shit that's mr saint pierre (laughs) oh look there's george's mom they're all sitting beside us this is just us. There's the freaking five of us. No one else in this row. Nobody. Front row sitting with George St. Pierre's mom and dad, his freaking, and his head physician and his manager. They look at us and they're like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and my brother and I, big shit-eating grins like, we're skateboarders. <laughs> we're in like matching white t-shirts, shaved heads, or RDS chains on. It was, you know, we started off good. We started off an each drink. Yeah. Each drink. Kind of probably alienated poor Sherry Spencer and poor voodoo witch doctor guy as we got drunker and drunker and went from being quite cordial to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is, this is an experience that you don't get very often. That's um, an experience no it's, one it's, gets. It's, it's probably why we've now been allocated back to fifth row yeah. since then. Every <laughs> every other event that we've gone to, and we go, we've gone to all the Canadian events so far, Yeah, fourth, fifth row. They never put us back up to front row after that one. Or ever let you sit next to George St. Pierre's fighters' parents. Parents, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not saying there was a complaint, but I do know that any time I talk to, uh, her name is... Uh, Jesus, I'm forgetting. I don't, you know, I don't even want to say it on the air. But anyways, uh, Dana's right hand lady. Okay. Oh yeah, I remember you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just kind of like, you know, as she's writing this too, she's nodding. Yeah. Oh yeah, you guys. So fifth row now. Yeah, you're in the fifth row, so you don't alienate anybody. You scared George's parents, you asshole. <laughs> but it was really cool to watch, not only to watch George win, to watch it in that environment. Um, it must have been nerve wracking for Matt Sarah to come in to that arena with that many people going against you when you know it was a fluke you won. Like, hey, it wasn't a fluke. Let me say, he threw a punch. He rocked him pretty good. He threw a punch. He hit George. George was out. Yeah. So it wasn't a fluke. But you fight George St. Pierre 10 times, that's not happening 
ever again. No. Right? Yeah. Um, and not that I don't want Matt Sarah mad at me, but I don't know if Matt Sarah's <laughs> going to listen to your show, but he's amazing. He's one of my, Matt Sarah's one of my favorite. Well, uh, we see what he, I mean, he's in Dana's new videos that he's doing. Oh, those are amazing. Lot, which are cool. Oh, those are amazing. If anybody hasn't, they should go to Fight Pass and check out the, the new, new show that Dana White, Nick the Tooth, and Matt Sarah do together, where they go around and they watch undercard or yeah, smaller fight fights. regional fighters. Wow. That's how they found Sage Northcutt. Exactly. But anyways, that experience there in Montreal or the Bell Center, sitting with George St. Pierre's mom and dad as George won the belt back, was a true honor and the not the greatest achievement that I've, I've ever had, but as far as things I've gotten because of what I've done, that's got to be the number one thing. Like getting a free hoodie or a free T-shirt. Thanks for the T-shirt you gave me, by the way. Um, or a free hat or a free skateboard was nothing compared to that experience right there. The show opened on me. Like, (laughs) because his parents were there, and they were sitting down and being all nice, I wasn't. I had my hands up in there. I was throwing up the red dragon claws, (laughs) like, yeah! So the the pay-per-view starts on me. My phone just starts blowing up, like, how the fuck are you there? <laughs> Anyways, and it was just funny that no other seat was taken. Yeah. It was, it was, it was an amazing experience and, and one that I'll always cherish. Um, I've been fortunate in life. Like, I'm really fortunate. I'm a really lucky person. Um, you know, if you work hard at things, it does, it will come to you. It might take a while. You might have to work even harder than you thought you were going to have to work, which is kind of how everything's worked out for me in life. Uh, as hard as I thought I'd have to work at something, I had to work that much harder. Yeah. And but it's it's trained me to know that if you want to succeed, you have to try harder than everybody else. Um, if you see that person beside you that is the wonder kid, whatever he's at, you gotta work harder than him. And uh, I've been fortunate in life to have surrounded myself with only the elite. You know, all of my friends were either professional snowboarders, professional skateboarders, or professional boxers. And not only just professionals, the best. Yeah. You know, touted like at one point in their life being number one. Like my old roommate is Devin Walsh. He's known as Canada's number one snowboarder. He's also, well, I guess Mark McMorris is kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of hard up there right now. But, um, you know, he's ranked, I think, number four most influential snowboarder of all time, not just Canada. All snowboarders. Um, my best friend is uh, Chris Duffesey, one of the the Forum Forum Eight, I believe they called it, gave it that name or something. Like my business partners, like Colin McKay and, and Moses Iconin. Yeah. Um, I've had Danny Way look at me and ask me, like, "What'd you think of my run?" You know, like, "Who the fuck am I to yeah. tell Danny Way how good his run was?" <laughs> Holy shit! You know, like, so I've been really fortunate to to have been surrounded with those type of people, which has shown me that you gotta work hard. You got to work harder than everybody else if you want to succeed. So that's what it was. You think that that's pushed you beyond expectations, I guess, or did you have those expectations all the way through? Oh uh, no! When I was younger, I didn't. It wasn't until I probably hit my my, you know, like at first I was dumber than I was smart. Um, so that's like I didn't know I shouldn't be able to be doing these things. Yeah. I didn't know I shouldn't be trying these things, which was probably one of my my better attributes back then. I didn't know, like, uh, I started my first clothing company when I was 19 years old. I knew nothing about making clothes. I taught myself how to make patterns. I taught myself how to make, how to sew. Um, You know, I taught myself all kinds of things necessary to do that, like screen printing and photography and did it all myself. Um, 
so that had that as an internal drive, but yeah, it was they taught all the other people around me taught me that I still wasn't trying hard enough, and that if I wanted to succeed, I had to try that hard, if not harder. Um, and I've always I've used that in everything in life. If you were to, you know, skateboarding is one of those things, and there's this um, Chris Rock and I think it's Jerry Seinfeld have this little you can find it online. And it's Chris Rock talking about, you know what, when I see a skateboarder, and oh, I think it's Jerry Seinfeld, and he's like, you know, when I see a skateboarder and he falls and he gets back up and he tries again and he falls and he gets back up and he tries again until he gets it, I know that kid's going to be all right because he knows what it's like to fail and achieve. Yeah. And that is something that is bred into all skateboarders. Now, your listeners might laugh, but I think skateboarders have a, a different toughness in them with all other sports you have a coach somebody training you somebody helping you somebody guiding you somebody telling you what you're doing wrong skateboarders don't have that skateboarders just have an internal drive and passion to push themselves at a limit whether they break bones whether they knock themselves out hit the concrete take skin off their knees every time they go skateboarding they're going to hurt themselves whether it's a little bit or a lot but they get back up and they do it again and no one is making them. It's all internal. Even the worst skateboarder in the world, you know, gets back up yeah. and tries again. And the best skateboarder in the world, he's fallen even more, you know? So that's something that all skateboarders have. Um, I've utilized that. I've utilized the hard work of the friends that I've seen around me to just drive and drive and drive and never give up. So something that you're going to be driving towards is is this Sirius XM show. Um, you spoke about getting on to Jason Ellis's show last week leading up to Ellis Mania and, and you learning from what he's done. What, what did you take away from what he's doing and, and to make your show that much better? I mean, you ha- you've had this podcast for a number of episodes now. I mean, you're in the double digits. Yeah, we so- have, there's 57 episodes on iTunes, This Boy's Life. You can download them. Um, so it's a year's worth of content. So 57 episodes of This Boy's Life. Obviously, you've owned your skills a little bit with the podcast. What did you take away from doing Jason's show live in person um, to make your new show on SiriusXM that much better? Well, it's going to take... A, it's two different shows. Um, yeah. Jason is willing to put himself out there in a way that I don't think I'll ever be able to. I will be honest uh, with everybody and I will tell them what's going on in my life, but not necessarily as much as, say, Jason is. Jason is willing to... Do, like, and that, One of the things I'm going to take away from it is Jason is willing to do anything it takes to push his show. Um, you can look on his Instagram. I believe it's called Wolfmate. Yeah. Um, he gets clocked by Chuck Liddell just so he can film it and put it out on social media because that's funny. That was funny to him. I don't think I'm going to get punched by Chuck Liddell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I have that in me. I'll do everything I can in my ability to make my show the best it can be. Um, but he's willing to do some things that I'm probably not willing to do. So there'll be different shows. Um, I'm not going to say mine's yeah, more. Yeah, and that's, that's, I don't mean, are you going to mirror or emulate his show? But no, what but did that's, you take what I'm away saying, from it a little bit, I guess? Once again, it's the same lessons that I've learned in everything. Okay. Um, he's willing to do that yeah. to push his show. I'm going to be willing to do this to push my show. A little bit different. Um, I don't want to be considered Jason Ellis Light. Yeah. You know, yeah, my show's exactly. going to be different. It's going to be far more Canadian content, um, a little more reserved, but still 
you know, you've listened to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we pull no punches. We talk about all kinds of uh, stuff that necessarily you don't want your mom to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mom does listen, unfortunately, so it's a little embarrassing. Uh, my mom learns a lot about my life via social media um, and the radio show and podcast, which is kind of embarrassing, but it's still out there. Um, I did learn um, honesty is the key. You got to be really honest with your listeners. Um, And the more honest you are about who you are um, and what you're trying to get across, the the better it's going to be received. Um, So I may have been a little more reserved on my podcast at first, um, not really getting into my full life. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I have a fiance. I've been together for 10 years. Um, if you were to look at my social media, you wouldn't know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a lot of photos with me with a lot of scantily clad women. <laughs> that is a huge aspect of my life that does take part. I'm at these photo shoots on a regular basis with young girls, you know, uh, putting together a catalog or a, a lookbook or this type of thing. So I, I've betrayed that. Um, but I've held back on a little bit of my personal life yep. and put more uh, a work aspect out there. Whereas I think with the radio show, uh, I'm going to definitely have to put more of my my personal life in there and my personal experiences and not sugarcoat them as much, uh, which is probably what I did at first with the podcast, not wanting to let people know really who I am. Whereas with the radio show, if it is going to succeed, I have to let them know who Dave Boyce is, not a fictional character that I have created for social media. Um, it's funny because if you look at my, my social media, I'm like, that's not really me, but it is, you know, I'm there, I'm doing these things. I am at these photo shoots. I am dealing with these young models and doing all the stuff I do, but I, I sugarcoat it and I don't put the other aspects of my life. Whereas if you're going to start listening to the radio show on Sirius XM, you're going to learn a little bit more about, you know, um, me. So... It's, it's, and that's kind of what I can say I've learned from listening to the Jason Ellis show and being on the Jason Ellis show and why he succeeds. Cause everybody has the same problems that Jason Ellis has. Everybody has the same problems that I have, that you have. And the sooner that they can relate to that, the easier it's going to be for them to want to listen to you. Exactly, um, the yeah. reason people listen to podcasts or these type of radio shows is they're nosy. They really are. Everybody's nosy. They want to know those little details. They don't want to know, you know, the sugar-coated aspect, which, you know, I'm guilty of doing through social media. You know, I give uh, a glazed view and it looks like, frick, that's a great donut. Yeah. I want some <laughs> of that donut. Whereas I'm going to have to be more like, I had a shitty day and this is why I had a fucking shitty day. And this is the argument I got in with my fiance. Yeah. This is, this is the argument I got in at my office over this, you know, like my actual real life day to day. You can only sugarcoat things for so long. Um, so that's what I've learned from watching the Jason Ellis show and seeing everything that transpires on there. If my, if my show is to succeed, I got to really let everybody know who I truly am. Not put on the radio voice. Hey, this is Dave. How you going? Like when you listen to terrestrial radio, that's what they're doing. You're not knowing who they are. Even if they tell you like, oh yeah, I went out last night and I did this. It's like, no, that's because nobody fucking talks like that. You fuckhead. (laughs) That's fake. You know, like. I listened, I let you listen to a couple of the little bumps that yeah. I was making. No, that's fake. Has I, to be, though. I, I was putting on, but I also did it in a way, so you're, you're supposed to laugh at that. But you're, you still know it's you. 
yeah, you know it's me, but I even put on a stupid voice because you're supposed to make fun of me yes. as I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, it's not like, hey, this is the Day Boy Show and great, how you doing? Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, this is the Voice Boy Show and I'm Canadian, just like Pam Anderson. You know, like, yeah. you, you have to make fun of yourself. And that's what I was trying to do when I put those bump, uh, the bumpers together. But for it to succeed, I really got to let people know who I am. And you'll still have both shows, as you said earlier. You're going to have the podcast yep. and the SiriusXM show. How will they differ? Um, they'll blur each other, to be honest. They'll be blurred lines, and that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, the show on SiriusXM is going to give me a vehicle to drive traffic back to the actual podcast. Um, I have a website that they can look at. You know, you can buy, buy a T-shirt if they want to support, um, and that'll help pay for the podcast. The podcast is out of my own pocket. There's no money being made. It's only costing me money. Every time I put out an episode, that's money out of my pocket. I had to pay an editor to clean up the sound. Um... That's pretty much it at this point. But I had to buy all the equipment that were in this room, the foam on the walls. I mean, this is $700 worth of stupid foam. Yeah. You know, you don't even think about the little costs. You know what I mean? Like, those are $500 fucking headphones. I have a soundboard underneath us. Underneath us. It's a couple hundred dollars. I have desks we're sitting on. I'm in deficit yeah. to create that podcast. Yeah. The radio show will draw traffic back towards the podcast. Um, and that's kind of the goal of having the radio show on Sirius XM. One, I get to push Red Dragon. That's always about pushing Red Dragon. Yeah. Red Dragon is is who I am. It, it is my life. It's the center of everything, and everything comes out of that. So on the on the Sirius XM show, I get to talk about that. I get to talk about Red Dragon, what's going on there, um, the inner workings of that. It drives people back to the podcast. The show on Sirius XM. At this point, it's only an hour long, one day a week. Yeah. But if I can get people to tune in there and then go, hey, look, I also have this other thing you can listen to, and it's a couple days a week, and it's two hours, that gives them more content, more to listen to, more to sink their teeth into. Or as you say, eavesdrop. Eavesdrop, yeah. And that's what that is what it's doing. You know, it like is, yeah. when I listen to any other podcast, that's what I'm doing. I'm And I listen to a shit ton of podcasts. I'm eavesdropping into their little world. Um, well, the, the podcasts that are like this one, you yeah. know what I mean? Like Freakonomics isn't like this one. No, and I'm yeah. not learning anything about uh, the co the host and co-host of Freakonomics. Yeah, I know. But, you know, I have a lot of other ones that I listen to. Like if you were to listen to the Joe Rogan show, you know, you're learning a lot about who jo Joe Rogan is as a person. And you might learn to not like him. You might Fair learn enough, to yeah. love him. But you are going to get to know who he is. And that's one of the things. That's your yeah. goal. That's yeah, the is, goal. Is people to get to know Dave Boyce. Yeah. Cool, and guest-wise, I mean, they'll they'll cross over as well kind of thing. You're going to have guests on both shows? We'll or? have guests on both shows. It's it's. I'm going to have a bigger opportunity to get guests on the Sirius XM show than I am on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we get to play music on the Sirius XM show. We don't play music on the This Boy's Life show um, for legal ramifications. We yeah. did it first. We stole it. We put it out there. Eh, didn't get in trouble. <laughs> Moved on. Um, so they'll be different in that aspect. Uh, so there'll be breaks and stuff. The, it's one is longer, one is shorter. So it's you know one will be almost rushed, you know, and that's the one thing I've learned about. I've already recorded an episode that's going to be up on SiriusXM. To me, uh, putting myself into that little box of one hour was very rushed. Yeah, I actually had to put a timer on and watch the timer to make sure each segment only went so long knowing I had to get all of this done in this amount of time. Podcast, when you're done, you push end. Exactly, you know, yeah. I talk for as long as I want, do whatever I want. Um, so there'll just be, there'll be blurred lines as far as that, but almost one will be a recap show of the other one. 
like anything you missed over here, come over here. I'll finish the story. That's awesome. Yeah. I think we're going to finish this story. Let people know where they can get a hold of you, social media, whatnot, where they can listen to both shows, um, RDS, everything you got going on, just let people know. So on Instagram for Red Dragon, it's called uh, The Red Dragons. So you can follow them on Instagram as well as Twitter. Um, the website, if you wanted to buy a Red Dragon t-shirt or a hat, is reddragonapparel.com. If you want to follow me personally, you can follow me on Instagram as well as Twitter at, at thisboyslife. Um, I just set up a SoundCloud last night. It's also uh, This Boy's Life. The podcast can be downloaded or subscribed to on Stitcher if you are an Android or a uh, Google phone user, as well as iTunes. So if you people don't know and you want... There's actually a little purple app that you can't delete off your phone and you probably have never used it, but that's the podcast app. And if you go in there and type in either one of our shows, you can download it. It's whatever way you're listening to this right now, whether you're listening on YouTube, where, where, where else can you... MMAsucker.com, Stitcher, iTunes, yeah, basically so the same deal. If you don't know, we'd really like you to download it on iTunes so we get the rating. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so go there, download on your phone, download it into your computer, um, and then also follow um, my co-hosts. You got Cupcake Tajura on Instagram and Renee Renee. I believe it is Renee Renee one that it is. I, I follow him. Yeah. All capital letters. All He's capital got some letters. Interesting stuff going on. He's quite a character. So yeah, download all of that and buy a T-shirt. And the Sirius XM show. You mentioned it a few times. Just oh yeah. So it's going to be uh, Sundays, five Pacific, eight Eastern on Faction Forty One. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that. The if you're driving in your car, if you have it on your computer, tune in. You can also, if you have a subscription to SiriusXM, you can download it and listen to it on demand through their web. Awesome, Dave. Thanks, man. Thank you.